Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning, man. I, I'm so glad that you're with us, uh, checking us out. Hello, Instagram, Facebook world. If you're watching on Vimeo or maybe you're just listening to the podcast. My name is Josh. I am the pastor of Harbor Church and I'm thrilled that you're with us. I'm so glad that uh, you're tuning in and I'd encourage you drop some comments. Let us know where you're watching from, uh, what city, what state. Let us know how we can bless you and how we can pray for you. Please uh, let us know that we want to we want to be a part and it's it's a chance for us to do church a little bit differently. I'm preaching to an empty auditorium, but um, I believe that God is still going to speak to us and give us something today. If you'll open up your heart and you'll let God talk to you, I believe he's got something powerful for you. I'm thrilled about this series that we've jumped into. It's called How to Be Brave. We're into the second week. And what we're talking about today is the idea that God has not only called us to be brave. Last week, we, we just laid the groundwork. God has commanded us. He's called us. He expects us. He's equipped us to be brave, to uh, find a boldness and a courage to go forward. And some of you watched last week and you had the same thoughts that, that I had when I read those passages. I'm glad to know that this is, this is what God wants for me and has for me, but I'm still, I'm nervous. I'm still not sure how to do it. How can I be brave and how can I move forward? And, and here's the truth. This whole series uh, wraps around the idea that with God, we can go boldly into these next few days, into what comes ahead, into whatever scares us. Um, it, it requires a relationship with God. And if you don't have that, um, you're going to struggle to really get the power out of these passages. Now, what we're going to do in the uh, next few weeks as we study this uh, idea is instead of just talking about the idea of being brave, we're going to look at individual stories of people who were brave, men and women who do, did some very courageous things. And we're going to look at their example and see how it might apply to us. Now, today we're talking about a guy who only has a couple verses in the entire Bible written about him. And we're really only going to focus on one verse this morning. What I want to do is I want to draw your attention to a guy who, although it may not be a ton of content about him, and you may have never heard his name before, I think God would have you and I follow his example today when it's talking about the coronavirus stuff and maybe some of you out there are nervous or scared because you don't know what's coming next and and this this, this entire quarantine thing and what's what's happening with our economy and people getting sick this has got you so i mean just this has got you all balled up you don't you don't know what's coming next you're nervous you're anxious maybe some of you are depressed and there's plenty of you watching and you'd say, no, nah, I'm not worried about this at all. And maybe that's the case. Maybe Corona doesn't scare you, but you, you still don't know what's happening in the world. And you don't know what's going to happen next for your job or for your family. So, um, and if there was no pandemic going on, God still called us to be brave and still called us to go and tackle really tough situations and to have a courage about us that says we trust in something bigger than ourselves. So if I have a relationship with God, I can go boldly into some situations Regardless of this current situation we're in, maybe it's tackling an issue in your family. Maybe it's working on a marriage that you've given up on. Maybe it's, it's addressing an, uh, an addiction or a struggle or a bad habit that you have. Maybe it's, it's fighting the, the, the long fight to restore a relationship where a bridge has been burned. Whatever it is, God has called you 
to be bold, to be brave, to go out and to tackle these things. And uh, if you're struggling, and, and I'm not saying that, I, like, I don't understand that. I struggle at times, too, to go, God, what do you have for me? How can I do this? Give me some help. Let's look at some stories from the Bible and see if that can't be an encouragement and a help to us. Today's story comes from the book of 2 Samuel. So it's an Old Testament story. And it, it, it has an association with a character that everybody knows, King David. David, the guy who kills a, a giant. David, the guy who writes a lot of the Psalms and, and has some really cool stories written about him. This is something that David wrote, but we're not looking at David today. We're actually looking at one of David's men. Now, David had a lot of guys that, that fought with him that were part of his like personal entourage, but he had a group of men called the 30. And it's actually, over time, it actually ended up being 37 different guys. But it, it, the, the reputation was those are David's 30 men. So he had 30 men that were just renowned for being warriors, for being boss, just totally brave, courageous guys, great fighters, guys he could lean on, his, his 30 closest guys. And he had three guys that were kind of, uh, that were known, they're the three of the 30. And uh, th that talks, he talks about them at the beginning of chapter 23 in 2 Samuel. And you can read that, there's some cool stories there. But after he talks about the first three guys, he then talks about uh, the, um, you know, the, the leader of the group, and then he gets to uh, the guy that ends up being his bodyguard. And it starts here in verse number 20 of 2 Samuel chapter 23. Bobby will put the verses on the bottom so you can see the verses on the bottom of the screen. But you can also, you know, follow along in your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, send us a message at Harbor Church. We'll mail you a Bible tomorrow and uh, you can have one in your own home. So here's what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse number 20. There was also Benaniah. Now, Benaniah is the guy we're talking about today. He was son of Jehoiada. I, I don't know if you, that's how you say it, but that's, that's who his dad was. A valiant warrior from Kabzeel. So Benaniah is, is right out of the gate known as a valiant warrior. It says he did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. When, it, when somebody was a champion, they, they had to kill lots of guys, usually hundreds of men to be considered a champion. And... Uh, Benaniah killed two of them in one battle. Then it says this, another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Verse 21 goes on to say, once armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaniah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. That's a pretty boss move. And it finishes with, with 22 and 23. It says, deeds like this, made Benaniah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30. Though he was not one of the three, David made him captain of his bodyguard. So this guy is, is not only close to David, he's widely respected amongst all the other guys. And there was hundreds of guys that followed David and were in his army. Uh, but Benaniah is one of the guys that's known as being one of the most elite of the elite. So if, uh, if David had a, a special forces on his, on his crew, he had a few guys, these 30 guys that he could trust above the, 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 the normal uh, warriors that he had selected as an elite group. He had these guys that would go in and, and really get the job done. Benaniah is the one that we're focusing on. And we're not just going to focus on, uh, on all of that. We're only really going to look at half of the verse, the first verse, number 20. It introduces it, us to him. And then at the end of the verse, it says, 
Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. This is a quick story, a quick example of an exploit that Benaniah was known for, but I think it can teach us a lot about bravery, about what what it is that God's called us to. Um, I want us to dive into this story just a little bit, and there's a few things I want you to look at. First off, what does it tell us? It tells us that uh, this whole story took place on a snowy day. It might seem like an odd detail, but God uh, has this recorded for a reason. And what I think we want to draw from the fact that he went out on a snowy day was that the, the conditions were not ideal. The, 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 the setting was not perfect. He didn't get a warm, easy day. He didn't get the comfort of being able to dress lightly. He was going to be cold. He was going to be uncomfortable. It was going to be awkward, but he still had a job he had to do. And what I want you to take away from that is this idea. If you're waiting for perfect conditions, you'll always be waiting. If you're waiting for it to be exactly what it's got to be, if, if everything's got to line up and then you're going to do the right thing, you're never going to do the right thing. Come on, let's just call it what it is. If it's, if, if, well, when everybody says this and when everything does this and when I have just, when, I, when, I, when I've got people's attention, when, when I've got their respect, when I've got this position at work, when I've got this amount of money in the bank, when I've, got, when I've gotten this kind of in shape or I've gotten this and we have all these things that we want, if, if it all lines up perfectly, then I'm going to do the thing that God's called me to. Then I'm going to do the thing that I'm supposed to. Then I'm going to live the, the, my life in the right kind of example. After all of this stuff, if you keep setting that, if you're not doing the thing that God's called you to do, if you're not going out brave to tackle the thing that God has put on your heart. And maybe he's already told you what it is he wants you to do. Maybe as you're listening to this, you feel that God is telling you, you need to be brave in this area. I want you to start this good habit. I want you to stop this bad habit. I want you to start trusting me in this area. I want you to reach out to this person and love them. And, and whatever it is that you begin to feel him pulling on your heart, it scares you. And if, as he scares you, if you're already making excuses, well, one day I'm going to do that. Someday when it, when it lines up, I'll do it. There, there is never going to be a perfect time. And you need to understand if you're waiting for perfect conditions, you're going to always be waiting. Let me remind you what James says. And James is a great book for to kind of just getting kicked in the butt. So this is what it says in James chapter 4. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. If you know that God's called you to do something and then you don't do it, if you know that you need to, to, to whatever, go tackle this thing, love your neighbor, say sorry to somebody that, that you, you've offended. I don't know what it is. If you know that God's calling you to start trusting him by, by tithing your money and giving back to him what he's already given to you. If you know that he's, he's calling you to, to be a peacemaker between two people that are, are fighting. If, he's, if you know that he's calling you to, to quit this thing that you've, been, that you've been secretly indulging in, whatever it is, if you know that you're supposed to do right and you don't do right, that's a sin. You could say, well, um, I, I, I didn't do it as bad. doesn't matter. Still a sin. James 2.14 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? If you say you have a faith and you believe in God, and yet you don't do anything to, man, to, to point people to Jesus, to live your life boldly, if you don't do anything to, to draw people to Jesus, then, then what kind of faith is that? And, and it also says in verse 17 of the same chapter, you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. 
Ugh, if you look at that verse, that's a hard verse. Faith that doesn't produce anything is dead and useless. Your faith, if you're sitting there listening, watching this, you should have a relationship with God that produces something. This is heavy, but we kind of need to hear it. What's the next part of the story? It says it was a snowy day and he chased a lion down. He chased it down. He chased a lion down. It's not like he stumbled on the lion and kill, killed it while I was asleep. This lion saw him or heard him or smelled him or whatever and took off. And Ben and I, rather than going, oh, well, I tried, can't kill the lion. He chases this thing down. Have you ever tried to chase an animal that doesn't want you to, to catch it? That is so stinking hard. And it says he does it. And what do we learn about this? What can we take away from the idea that he, he was willing to go after this line to the point, point that he had to exert a ton of energy? When we talk about the thing that God's calling us to be brave with, I'm going to tell you this. You have to, you have to know what it is and, and, and go after it and, and just be so determined. If it's just a half effort, if you're just kind of doing it, be prepared to, to never really have any breakthroughs. The takeaway and the second point from, from Ben and I that I think we can learn is not only that if we're waiting for perfect conditions, they're never going to happen, but the second part would be bravery without passion is like a fire without fuel. If your bravery is, is just something where you're like, I'm going to do this, this thing. You know, like, listen, I've jumped off of bridges and cliffs and, and done some stupid stuff when I was in college. That wasn't really bravery. It was just stupidity, really. Uh, it's, it, it requires you, if you really want to talk about being brave and not just have a moment where you do something courageous, but you live emboldened, you're going to have to become passionate. You're going to have to have a cause that you say, man, this is important. I value this. This is something that's, that, that needs to happen. If God's calling you to love your neighbor, then you need to be uh, on board and be passionate about the fact that God has, wants to use you to love the people around you and that you have a personal goal, a personal mission to influence and affect the lives of others. For those of you that are parents, you have the mission put on you to impact the lives of your kids. Kids, you, you are told to impact in a positive way the lives of your parents. We're supposed to do that for our brothers and sisters, for all of our family, all of our friends, all of our coworkers, all of our neighbors, the people we really like and the people we don't like. And if you don't find a passion behind that, you're going to struggle. You're going to run out of energy very quickly. Um, Ferdinand Foch, or I'm not quite sure how to say his name, but I found this quote by him. It says, he said, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul set on fire. When, a, when, when we become just uh, determined to do something, man, how powerful is that? Second Chronicles 5.17 tells us this, but you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. And it's warning us, don't Get weak. Don't get worn out. Don't, don't let yourself run out of passion, out of purpose. If God has given you a purpose, then you buy into that and you say, this is more important than anything else. 
Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. I continue to work hard. I do not give up. I continue towards this goal, this thing that God has called me to. We're going to talk about that here in a second, but it's a pressing on. It is a passion to go forward. Ecclesiastes 9.10, I love this verse. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your freaking might. But that last part I added in there. If God has given you something to do, then stink and do it. Stop being like, oh, maybe. Stop giving a half effort. Stop doing good enough. Stop that. God hasn't called you to just do the minimum, to just get a passing grade. If he's designed you to get an A+, then you go get a stinking A+. If God has given you the talents and the ability to be an eight-cylinder engine, and you're running on four cylinders going, this is good enough, it gets the job done. No, it's not. You're sinning. You're not living up to what it is that God's called you to do. You can do good, and you're not doing it. This is wrong. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Get passionate about something. If we were more passionate about what it is that God had called us to, this world would be turned upside down by people who love so generously, who serve so sacrificially. The very things that God said would define us, if we were doing it with all of our might, good freaking grief, man, what, what would happen? How many of our neighbors would be like, I got to find out about this Jesus person? How many of our family members would be like, whatever she's got, I need that. Whatever he's reading, I want to read that. We would impact so many people if we would just be more passionate, more excited about what it is that God's called us to do. And I know there's nobody in this room, but I'm, I'm praying that you guys out there and, and on your computers and your laptops are just like, sweet, let's go. Come on. All right, we're having a good morning now. Let me move on. Here's the next part. It says it was a snowy day. It says he chased it down, but what did he chase down? Let's talk about the animal in the story. It was a lion. Don't take that lightly. It doesn't say Benaniah chased a deer down into a pig, killed it on a snowy day. It doesn't say he went after a bunny rabbit or a goat, uh, even a bear or something else. Home Slice went after a lion. A lion. The biggest, baddest, scariest, deadliest predator that, that, was, that was out there. That's what he went and tackled. I think this is important for us because the lion represents that, the, that biggest trophy. That's why it's recorded because it's not very impressive if he went out and he, you know, he caught a turtle. <laughs> he went out and killed him a couple of lambs. He goes out and he kills a lion. He chases down a lion. And what I, what I think is, is unique about this story is that we, we often settle for the, the goat or the deer or the other animal that doesn't scare us as much. A lot of you out there like, yeah, hey, I'm ready to be bold, man. I'm going to be courageous. God's calling me to do something. Let's see here. Lion and oh, over there. Uh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go after this there. What is that? Like a three-legged zebra? That's the thing I'm going to go hunt. That's the thing I'm, I'm going to go over and take. And we're like, look at, I'm doing something for Jesus. I'm doing something for God. Woo, look at me. I, I've gone out on the hunt. I've gone out to tackle something boldly. And look what I did. I got it. And we know that there's a lion, but the lion scares us too much. The lion represents that big, 
hairy, scary, intimidating thing, that goal that you know you can't do on your own, that's the thing that God wants you to go after. The thing, trust me, listen to me, the thing that you can't do in your own power is the very thing that God's calling you to do. And you're like, but I can't do it in my own power. That's the point. Because if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need God. You would be like, I've got this. And you would want to take all the credit for it. But when God puts something on your life where you're going, I don't know how to make sense of this. I don't know how that'll work out. I've done the math 5,000 different ways and it doesn't work out. But yet I feel like God's leading me there. How can this work? That's when you know that God's calling you to take a step of faith. If you can figure it out, it's not faith. But if you have something where God goes, trust me, do this, and it scares you and it intimidates you, and you're like, this thing's going to kill me. This is the biggest, scariest, hairiest prayer I've ever had to pray. Thank God you've got a good one to pray. Man, if, if you go, this is the, one of the heaviest things I've ever had to deal with. This is one of the biggest steps of faith I've ever had to take. Good, you finally got you a lion. Some of you are going, oh, look at mine. My thing is so big and so scary. Stop. That's stinking awesome. That's stinking awesome. I love that. That's the thing where you go, whoo, whoo, God's about to do something because I can't kill this on my own. I can't do this. I can't tackle this. This thing is so big and so scary. God's got to be in it. I can't tell you how many times I've had that thought just in the last couple of months. God's been calling me to take steps of faith to do some things. And I'm going, God, I don't know how that'll work. And then I'm finally like, well, then I know it's got to be something that only God can work in. This is what it says in Philippians 3. <coughs> Excuse me. Philippians 3. Verses 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of G in Christ Jesus. Same verse we read before, but now it's talking, now it's the focus is this goal, this, this idea that God's called us to something. Matthew 21, verse number 22. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. And this is the problem. Well, I, I don't want to go after the lion because I don't know if, if God will take care of me. He says, if you will make sure that God is the center, the thing that scares you, the thing that intimidates you, the fact that you're like, I've never been able to put the bottle down. I haven't found victory over this addiction in years. I keep screwing up. I keep going back to this thing. I keep going back to this problem. I keep having this reoccurring sin. If you could do it in your own power it wouldn't be a lion and God says if you ask for it in prayer you will receive it doesn't mean that it'll be easy but it doesn't mean that God will make a way for you to find that victory Matthew 19 26 says this but Jesus looked at them and he said with man this is impossible but with God all things are possible with God all things are possible write that down somebody put that in your uh, on an index card on your mirror somebody write that and, and put it Next to your nightstand, with God, all things are possible. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What more do you need from the God of the universe than for him to tell you, you can go tackle that lion because I will be with you and you can accomplish infinitely more than what you would ever ask or think. He's already told you that whatever you ask for, you're going to get if you ask for it in his name with a in a relationship through him. But now he says, not only will you get what you ask for, but I can do abundantly ab above and beyond anything that you can ask or even think of. This should let us know we don't have to be afraid of the lion, but... We are, and, and that's the third point. 
The job might scare you. The lion might scare you, but it doesn't scare God. What scares you doesn't scare him. The job might scare you, but it doesn't scare God. If that doesn't just light your fire and give you a little bit of reason to go forward, I don't know what will, but man, that encouraged me. As I, as I coupled this story with scripture after scripture found throughout the Bible, and I'm only picking out a few of them for you today, it, it, points, it paints a picture of a God who is not going to abandon me, isn't going to forsake me, but instead has called me to things so far greater than what I'm doing. We're, we're, we're intimidated by what the world says, by what the world is trying to push on us. And so we, we feel like we have to be limited to what everybody else is limited to, and we don't because God says that he's with us and that he'll take us through it. If you move on in the story, not only is it a snowy day, not only does he chase it down, not only is it a lion, which is pretty boss, but then it says... He chases it down into the pit, into the lion's den. He goes down into this dark, creepy, scary hole. He goes down into this place where it was not a, an ideal battleground for him and this lion. He goes, he goes into the enemy's territory where this lion is now familiar with his surroundings. It's probably dark and filled with bones of other animals or people that that lion has killed. And so now he's looking at past people who have been defeated. And now he's, he's, he's stumbling around in unknown territory. And the, the further down into this pit he goes, the more cornered and defensive that line is getting, the more dangerous that line, line is getting. And by the way, the darker and scarier his, his battleground is. Here, here's, I, I want you to imagine this. You're going down into the pit. And it's getting darker and darker and darker. And if you've ever been into a cave or into something uh, like that, it, it gets so hard to see sometimes. Maybe you have just a little light and, and you're trying to see just through that little bit of light what might be out there. And now you talk about being in that kind of situation and, and you're trying to fight a lion. Talk about the worst situation. Talk about the worst kind of battleground. Who picks that place to do battle? God says that you don't have to worry about that. And we struggle because it's those pits, it's those valleys, it's those dark times when we, when, when we feel the most vulnerable, when our enemy seems to be the most uh, attacking or defensive or dangerous. We, we get to a place where we go, no, 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 I, I, was, I was doing good, but now it got too hard. The enemy's too strong and the battlefield got too hard. It got too deep. How many of us were on the road to what God had called us where we were growing close to him? We were growing in our faith. We were doing something. We were taking that hard journey. We were, we, we were making strides to, to be the kind of man or woman that God had called us to be, to love the way that he called us. We were trying to, to build some good habits. And then as we got there, man, we got knocked down and it got hard. And all of a sudden where we thought we would have a mountaintop, we end up having a valley. It's usually in our deepest, darkest valleys that we quit. I, I, I heard a great quote from Tony Evans. He said, sometimes God lets you hit rock bottom so that you will discover that he is the rock at the bottom. And I love that because there is something to be said that as we, as we sometimes sink lower and lower and it gets heavier and heavier and darker and darker, we, we need to be reminded of who God is. We need to be reminded that, that he, he isn't afraid of that lion and he sees in the dark. 
Okay, that's who we serve. This is what it says in Isaiah 41, verse number 10. Fear not, for I am with you. If you feel alone, even in the darkest of situations, whether it be physically dark like that cave, or whether we're talking about a spiritual darkness, mental darkness, emotional darkness, when we're talking about some of the heavy things that are, you're facing today, he says, don't fear. I'm with you. Do not be dismayed or be not dismayed. For I am your God. I'm your God. This is what the creator of all things is saying. I'm the God. I am the one that is protecting you. I am the one that has a plan. If you substitute anything else there, your job is your God. Your, your own ability to figure things out. Your brain, your confidence, your abilities, your friends, your money, your plan. If any of that is your God... You better be afraid. You better freak out because that's going to leave you stranded. But if, if he is your God, if the creator of all things, the Lord who would die on a cross for you, if he's the one in charge of your life, if he's the most valuable thing in your life, then he says, you don't have to be afraid. He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How much better is it to have the Alpha and Omega, the all-powerful, all-knowing God who is all-present. He's everywhere. How much better is it to have him helping you than if you're the only one that can help you? And some of you, you're in a spot that I was in not too long ago before I came to know Jesus. I thought I could figure it out. I thought I could, I could solve my problems. If I was just smart enough or worked hard enough or I did the right thing and I made the right friends and had the right connections and just, man, if I, if I could just make it work, then I, I could solve a lot of problems. I could be okay. As long as you're the hero in your story, as long as you're the one that is going to have all the answers and do all the rescuing, you, you don't have God as, as, as your center. You do not have something bigger than yourself. And as awesome as you may be, I'll let you fill in that. But as awesome as you may be, nothing compares to having Jesus Christ as the one at the center of your life, helping you make the, make the tough decisions, helping strengthen you and guide you. He doesn't just give you strength and courage. He also gives you direction and empowerment. The point of the pit is this. The darker your battlefield, the bigger your victory. God is going to show up in the places that you think are the, the, the absolute last place you'll see a win. And he is going to show you. He's going to empower you to have some of the biggest breakthroughs. It's usually in those moments when we hit rock bar bottom, when it's so dark and so heavy that we're ready to give up, that we, we, we can't see a win. That that's usually when our priorities get shifted. For some of you, you haven't thought about God in months or years. But now, with all the craziness going on in the world around us, you're starting to think about God. You're starting to wonder if maybe there's something that you should trust in more than yourself. It'll be some of these darkest places, some of these darkest battlefields where you're going to have your biggest victory. Because if you look back on your life, the easy times wasn't when you really grew. The times when it was all made sense and you could figure it out. That wasn't the big leaps of faith. Those are the times you liked because you could kick back and 
relaxed, you didn't have any worries. But when things got scary, when somebody you loved got a diagnosis you didn't want, when, when, when things got tough at work, when you, you didn't know if your marriage was going to make it, when, when somebody you loved uh, you know, was, was struggling in a, a different area, when all these things that you can't control happen, those really dark moments, those are usually the ones where we have the biggest breakthroughs, where we find the, the lesson that it is that God's trying to teach us. And I would encourage you not to give up. We've already read from Philippians 3, but what about Philippians 4? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. All things. Somebody type all things. Somebody type it in all caps with some exclamation points. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Including tackling lions and going down into the pits. And the last part of this story isn't just that he went on a snowy day, isn't just that he chased it down, it isn't that it was just a lion, and it wasn't just that he went into the pit to do it. It's also the fact that he killed that lion. He killed it. He didn't wound it. He didn't wrestle it. He didn't fight it and then lose. He didn't get scratched and then give up. He went into the pit and he killed it. He didn't quit. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9 says this. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not give up. When the world, tell, when the world tells you to give up, hope whispers, give it one more try. I read that somewhere. I don't know who the author is, but it's so true. There, there's going to be so many times where people, the world, where the pressure, where our flesh tells us you can't make it. You, you, you tried. You went after the lion. You even went down to the pit, but you know, you, you're know just not going to win this one. Good wrestle, good, good fight, good hunt. You wounded him, but time to give up, time to go home. Some of you have, are so close to a breakthrough right now, spiritually, but you haven't quite finished the battle. You haven't quite really followed all the way through. And getting something close, but not quite, isn't what God's called you to do. He said, go for it. And this is what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. For this is the end we toil and strive. Because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. For to this end, to get to the end, not close to the end. Don't run a race and then stop just because you see the finish line. Cross the finish line. Some of you are working hard at what, it, what God's called you to be. Some of you are working hard at being good parents or being good students or being good coaches or being good co-workers or being a good boss. And, and, and you're, you're, you're running a good race, but because it's gotten long, because it's gotten hard, because your spouse doesn't seem like the person that you married. Because uh, the, the, the road to staying sober hasn't been completely bump-free. Because of something, you, you, you're doing well, but now you're ready to throw in the towel. Now you're ready, I, I can't make it anymore. God hasn't called you to quit. And what you need to understand about the idea of being brave, it's that brave people, it's not, it's, it's not that brave people haven't failed, it's that they haven't quit. If you want to be brave today, it doesn't mean you're not going to have discouragements. It doesn't mean you're not going to have failures. It doesn't mean you're not going to have setbacks. Being brave doesn't guarantee any of that. But when you're brave, what you're committing to is just not quitting. Just don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. 
I know some of you right now are like, God, I need you to show up in a mighty way. And he promises that he won't let us go through something that crushes us. He never says that we won't go through hard times. He never says that it won't be difficult. He, does, he doesn't say that there won't be scary things that pop up. But what he says is that he'll be with us and that he will give us a way to resist those temptations, to get around those, to find victory. But we have to stay close to him and we have to be obedient. We have to be willing to do what it is he's called us to do. And this is the dramatic difference from people who say that they're following God and people who are actually putting God first in their life. When it comes to the hard thing that you're dealing with, when it comes to the hard thing that you're struggling with, when it comes to the temptation to quit, you have to remember that God says, there is nothing more important than following me and staying true to what I've called you to do. Do not give up. In the end, it's going to be worth it. But pastor, what if what, if what God's calling me to do costs me some of my friends? What if it costs me my job? What if, what if going down this path is, is going to uh, cost me a, a relationship or it's going to cost me some money or it's going to cost me my time or it's going to cost me this. I want to remind you what God actually says in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what he's saying is when you learn to value God above everything else, all the other stuff in your life gains a new kind of value. For most of us, we're valuing our family and our money and our possessions and our retirement and our popularity and all this. We're valuing all these things, and then we're trying to squeeze God in on the bottom. And God says, put me on the top and value me more, and I'll make you a better parent or a better child. I'll make you a better husband or a wife or a better boyfriend or a better girlfriend. I'll make you a better friend. I'll make you a better teacher. I'll make you a better boss. I'll make you a better employee. Uh, I'll, I'll work through your finances. I'll work through your talents. I'll work through your retirement. I'll be in charge of that. Let me dictate how that works and where that priority looks like in your life. And let me use you how I would use you. And when God is first in your life, all the other things get restacked in a, in a different priority where your life doesn't have to be consumed by you figuring it all out and you making everything fit together. But instead you can say, God, I'm willing to lose everything for you because I know that when I let go of it is when I actually gain something for real. But as long as you're so tight-fisted with all the things that you think you can grab and hold on to, you're missing out on the joy that God has for you and you're never really going to be brave. Well... Josh, uh, that's easy for you to say, but I, I, don't see, I don't see how God could ask me to, to give up my life to follow him. Well, I, I think you're forgetting then who it is that you're talking about. You're talking about a savior who laid down his life for you. You're talking about a God who willingly went to a cross he endured a, cru a crucifixion. The Romans invented crucifixion as a way to be the most painful death they could think of. And Jesus embraced that kind of death to get you forgiveness. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He didn't need forgiveness, but he died in your place, in my place, to forgive us. And if he is willing to leave heaven and be born in a manger and then live on this earth very humbly, as a servant to others and then die for me so that I can have eternity in heaven. If he's willing to do all of that and what he asked for me in return, I don't have to, to do anything in order to receive salvation. Jesus did it. All I have to do is believe in him and, and put my faith in him more than I put my faith in myself. The Bible says, if I trust him, that it's through faith, through Jesus's grace and mercy 
and my faith in him that I can find salvation. So I don't have to do anything to get the salvation. But if I do embrace that salvation and I want to know what it looks like to live a real life after Jesus, to be bold, to be brave, to be loving, to be Christ-like, then I'm, I have to be willing to let go of all the other things and say, man, I'm going to model like Jesus modeled, where all this stuff doesn't matter. In a few years, maybe a few decades, however long God gives you to live, at some point you're going to take your last breath. And if you've been doing this with your stuff, with your time, with your money, with your talents, with your abilities, with your mind, and you've been trying to hold on to everything that you've got, in the end, you're going to lose it anyways. But you will have missed out on a life where you could have said, God, all of this is from you. Thank you for giving me every breath I have and every second I have. I give it back to you. How would you use me? How would you use my stuff? How would you use my talents, my mind, my ability to talk to people? How can I encourage others? How can I be brave and bold? If we embrace this mentality, I think we'll do more than just take on lions. I think we'll watch God use us to turn Cape Cod and Massachusetts and New England and this planet upside down with people who are brave, not because they are awesome, but because they serve a God who's got so much more for them than just what this world holds. They know that they've got a God who's given them a future, a hope, and an eternity in heaven. I pray this kind of boldness for you, this kind of courage for you, whether it's something you're facing today or it's something you're going to face in the, the days or weeks or months to come. I pray that God gives you this kind of courage, not because you have got it in you, but because he's got it for you, and that the closer you get to him, the more like him you can become. I love you. I, I hope you'll let me pray for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for who you are and what you've given us. God, thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And God, thank you for Benaniah and his story. But God, we know that uh, when we begin to couple that story with your verses from all over the Bible, that you have so much for each one of us. That it doesn't matter the circumstances, it doesn't matter the opposition, it doesn't matter how big or how scary it is, it doesn't matter how dark it gets, you've called us to follow you and to follow through. And so God, I pray over the people that are watching, whether they're eight years old or 80 years old. God, there's teenagers out there that are scared. There's parents out there that are scared. There's employees and employers. There's, God, there's, there's neighbors. There's people that are elderly. There's people right now that, that uh, they have compromised immune systems. There's people that are uh, pregnant or, or taking care of, of little kids and they're worried about them. God, there's, there's people right now who don't know how they're going to make ends meet. There's people right now that have so many concerns. There's so many so many scary things. There's so many things that are uncertain for us in the world around us. God, there's so many relationships that are hurting. There's so many struggles that we have. And so, God, in this moment right now, we lift up to you the, that we need you more than we need ourselves. We need a Savior who could not only forgive our sins, but he can conquer our fears. God, help us to be the kind of people like Benaiah was. Help us be the kind of people that go out actively looking for a way to tackle lions, to do something big for you, to, to not just be content to sit around, but God, let us, go, let us go find some victories. Let us go find some ways to be courageous and to find the bravery that you've already instilled in us. Let us unleash that in some really cool ways. Maybe it's to see a, a relationship get better. Maybe it's to see 
uh, a bad habit finally get put to rest. Maybe, God, it's, it's a chance to take a step in trusting you in a new way. Help us. And God, help the person that's listening to this. Help the person that right now in this moment, they know that they need to trust you as their Savior. God, maybe they've known about you for a while, or maybe today is the first time they've ever heard about your love for them. But God, they need, they need to invite you in. And God, I pray that you would give them that wisdom and that courage to right now open up their life, open up their heart, and invite you in as their personal Lord and Savior. God, you said that if we would just admit that we've done wrong and that we need you to forgive us and we need you to be the one calling the shots, that you would save us. So God, help each and every one of us be willing to move out of the driver's seat of our life and let you take the wheel. Let you be the one in control. God, I pray that over whoever needs to make that decision today. And I pray for everyone who's already made that decision that we would begin to live that out and to be more bold. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. It's in your name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.